Sweet Talk is a weekly 20-minute podcast brought to you by the Continuing Education Workforce Training Division of Idaho State University's College of Technology. This podcast is part of our continuing outreach efforts, and the format is conversation. We're having conversations with businesses, professionals, entrepreneurs, community agencies, and in all cases, difference makers. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and SoundCloud. So subscribe today. Take 20 minutes and hear from people living in your community who are making a difference in your community. It's time to get started with Sweet Talk. Hello, everyone. This is Jason Batalden. I'm the uh, Assistant Director here at Continue Education Workforce Training. And welcome to Sweet Talk. We're glad that you're here. Um, and we're excited to have a really, we have a really great show for you today. I uh, have a wonderful guest, but we got to talk about a couple things. First of all, if you're, we're about 30 seconds in the show and you haven't heard Paul's voice. So I just want to put everyone at ease. Paul's still uh, he's still very much a part of the show, but today uh, he had came down a little bit under the weather and needed to go home. And so um, who knows where we're going to end up today. Uh, Paul tends to keep me grounded. So uh, we might be out in outer space by the time we get done with this podcast. Hey, the second thing I do need to put a plug in for is um, we've got our fifth and final episode on our special series, a podcast about podcasting by podcasters. Um, and that is the uh, special series that Paul and I did for those of you that are interested in starting your own podcast and how you could use it and apply it. And so we're super stoked about that series. Um, the fifth episode is pretty interesting. We had a special guest on who uh, is very familiar with podcasts. So we had more of a practical conversation than maybe a theoretical conversation. So please be sure to check that out. We have a very, very special guest on the show today, and we're extremely thankful for him giving us our time. Uh, his name is Art Berry. Um, I'm assuming many of you know him. He's well known in the Pocatello community. He's the executive general manager at Cole Chevrolet, Nissan, and Kia. And we're going to talk today about the car market, because um, if you don't know, I do love cars. Um, and I was sharing with uh, Art before the show started, I've owned way too many and gotten rid of even more. Uh, that I wish I still had. But with that being said, Art, welcome to the show. And uh, for those, please uh, give a little introduction just for those who may not know you might uh, get to know you a little bit. Well, thanks, Jason. Uh, I'm excited to be here. Um, as you alluded to, I'm the executive general manager for Chevrolet, Nissan, and Kia here in town. We have two locations. Um, fairly new resident uh, to Pocatello. I've been here about five years, so mm -hmm. I, apparently I need 25 more to be considered a local here. Yeah. <laughs> I'm working on it. That's right. Uh, yes. Um, my background is such that I, I've worked for the manufacturer. I actually worked for General Motors for 35 years. Oh, wow. uh, I retired the first time and uh, decided to give my hand on the retail uh, end of it. Uh, my partner, Greg Cole, has locations in the South and down in, uh, in Georgia. And this was his flagship uh, dealership, the Chevrolet location here in Pocatello, and uh, actually helped him get in business here. So uh, kind of like back to the future. And yeah. October 2020, we actually acquired the Nissan and Kia franchise. And so this is my first foray into a non-General Motors, a non-domestic uh, uh, product, so to speak. And it's been a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Well, this has been a very interesting year, I'm assuming, for the car sales 
business, um, or the, I would say the auto industry in general, all the way from manufacturing uh, to even on uh, sitting on the lots. Um, and can you kind of, I'm just curious, how has this year gone <laughs> for you? Oh my. And, <laughs> you know, every day is a new adventure, just like I think many of the businesses are, are experiencing. But I have to be quite frank with you, our business has been phenomenal. It, it has actually been very, very good for us from a number standpoint, uh, from sales and even to the servicing side of things. Wow. It actually surprised us when all of this started over a year ago, when we say all of this, COVID obviously right. was, was the big issue. Um, nobody knew what was gonna happen. You know, it, it, uh, everything came to a standstill and we felt it for about three weeks. And then things started to change, especially in our industry. I think people got a little bit nervous, you know, that they were gonna be stuck at home and uh, they had a lot of time to think. And, and frankly, uh, it, it really, car sales wise, it started to take off. Hmm. People uh, started to come in and, and were purchasing. Um, you know, there was uh, some money that was put into the government, by the government obviously sure. there, right. and, and spurred people on. And right. I think people had a lot of sitting time and, and uh, thinking about, um, you know, their lives and, and really where it was going. And we just happened to be one of those fortunate businesses that were still operating. And uh, as they would come in and, and get their cars repaired and such, you know, they, they would really, because we were, weren't really technically allowed to sell you know, during that whole initial uh, startup of, of, uh, of the, um, the, the COVID. Oh. They were trying to balance it all out, you know, with the government, when the governor was trying to do that. Right. But, because, because you weren't classified as a essential business or just we because initially, we weren't initially and it was about 10 days into it where the governor finally realized you know because we, we have to fix things like ambulances and <laughs> you know police cars and right you know, right right you got to service all those i got you right yeah absolutely but uh but this you know i've been in this business over 40 years on the manufacturing on the retail side and frankly i've never seen anything like this i think i thought i saw everything but this is all new you wow. know i'm sure we'll talk about the, the next iteration of all this about the shortages right. of vehicles and such. So. Right. Well, I think, you know, just from my end of the world, and, and again, my end is so small and, 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 you know, very narrow compared to yours, but I think what, what did it, what I really started noting was a, the change in the used car market. And um, it, from my perspective, it looks like the used car market um, was affected more than the new car market earlier in the, in the pandemic. Um, and I would say, is that, is that, that's my naive point of view from looking at the world that I live in. I, you know, I really think both markets are really affected. Um, okay. really, uh, in the latter part, when we say effective here, let's, let's just call it like it is, uh, prices have gone up tremendously, oh, yeah. Yeah. you know, tremendously. Yeah. And a lot of that is the most recent phenomenon with the shortages because of the, of the chip issues. Right. Um, you know, new cars pricing wise coming out of the factory are, are they're already preset and they've come. Used cars uh, started to go up in value only because we couldn't get new cars on the lot. So it's, it's basically a commodity, just like everything else we sell in, in our ag, ag business community here is that if you've got scarcity, it's going up. So things that, things that could be built in the factory were coming out at the basically the, the suggested retail price. Right. But with used cars, they started to go up because uh, you know everybody is scrambling for that to, to get those vehicles uh, on their lots to, to sell. But you know, um, 
trying to put the numbers in perspective here over the last year, you know, our retail new car sales have gone up about 40%. And then wow. our used car retail sales have gone up almost 70%. Wow. wow. But wow. Wow. our inventory has gone the other way. There was a time here where I normally I like get Chevrolet and we would have 130 to 150 new vehicles on the ground. There was one day I had two new vehicles. <laughs> I don't mean to laugh, but I'm sorry about that. That's just, I mean, to me, that's an amazing number, right? I mean, two, two new cars, right? Can you think of a time when that kind of supply issue has ever been a problem, right? I never have, you know, I haven't been in the business long enough. I've, you know, I, I, I looked through history on this and, you know, during the wars and there was scarcity and, th and things of that nature um, that there wasn't sure abundance of there but you know but the other the other side of me told me this will be okay only because this is how the supply chain actually works in europe you know you go there you go to italy you go to france if you order a new vehicle uh, or you want to buy a new vehicle it's not showing up for another eight to 12 weeks on build oh wow okay and so the um the new car market the american market is such is that the consumer demand is everything's immediate so dealers have to stack their stack the vehicles up and, and put it out there. And I always joke with, with consumers. I said, if you had this kind of patience before, and if we had if we did the the the, the algorithms right here on, on ordering, they probably would be cheaper because we wouldn't have to advertise, I wouldn't have to carry the expense, you know, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> That's right. Uh, right. So That's the unique thing that people still want their vehicles and they want it now type thing. And, and right. so um so I you know the precedence was already set. I, I saw that before and I kind of figured that was probably the model it was going to go to is that people would order vehicles that have to be patient and then show up. Right. And that's what's happening now. Cause right now that I like Kia, we have 65, 67 today now deposits on Kias that are pending to come in. And I've only got, I've got two Kias on the ground. Isn't that, <laughs> isn't that crazy? That's, that's crazy. And I, I, and that's interesting. And it'll be interesting to see moving forward too, if this will, if this will change, uh, you know, our American consumer mindset too, maybe we as a consumer have to kind of get more used to, if I want a new vehicle, you know, to be a little bit more patient with it as well. I'm just wondering, uh, because this doesn't look like this can be solved. You know, it doesn't, you know, are you predicting to have back to a hundred and some odd cars on your lot by the end of the month, you know? No, and we're not. And that, right. you know, are we worried about that a little bit? Um, but, you know, the, the auto industry and such, I mean, it goes back to the horse trading days. We yeah. all figure it out. We all figure out how to get people transportation. That's that's the, the whole, that's why I love this business. It's part of the historical mm -hmm. sense of America, of yeah. getting people from here to there and, and providing that freedom, so to speak. But this one looks like it's going to change the entire dynamics Um you know, right now what's going on is the, is the chip issue, the chip shortages, right. and it's not, not just our industry. I mean, heck, the other day we had our automatic faucet down in our, in our bathroom, men's, men's room here, that we couldn't get a chip to get it repaired. You know? <laughs> so it's, it's every walk of life. Right. But, but in an automobile, there's 9,000 separate chips, and people don't right. realize that. And we've only got one U.S. manufacturer that makes that, and everything is overseas, and COVID has hit these overseas uh, factories. And so the, so the cadence has all been kind of messed up. And so, right. you know, we're getting waves of, of chips coming in for certain products and, you know, for certain manufacturers. So it's, I don't see this settling actually probably for another 18 months to 24 months. Yeah. And I don't know what the new normal is gonna look like. Am I gonna yeah. have 150 vehicles on the ground? 
I, I love it because I love cars and trucks, but right. these are going to be necessary. Right, right, exactly. Uh, maybe all of a sudden you're, you're, even the, your facility looks different, right, too? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And, and things will just, it'll be interesting to see, you know, um, and, and, and not to, to over, I don't want to self-disclose, but, you know, I, I am a secret car guy, I always have been. Um, and, and that kind of wants to lead me to kind of some of the questions you've been in this business. What, I'm sorry, you said 30, oh, over, and, over 40 years now, over 40 years. So can I ask what, uh, you've got to be a car guy. Um, when did you know you were a car guy? You know, I, I wish I could say I'm the, one of those purists where like, I, I love our, some of our technicians have been here for over 30 oh, years. Yeah, they, yeah. They, they, they can smell the, they can smell the pipe. <laughs> you know, the tailpipe and tell me what's wrong. With the right. Pump. Right. Okay. I'm not one of those guys, but yeah. no, no, I'm not a gearhead. I, I like to drive the finished product. Right. I, I am one of these kind of guys that, that loves the newest technology that, that's out there, but I also like the heritage of the vehicles, you know, probably right. my favorite vehicle is, you know, the 56, 57 Impala. There you go. Right um, on. It's, I mean, that, that thing I could hug all day long. Right. You know? But I sure would like the, the modern conveniences and, you know, oh. and, you know, and all of that, but it's almost sacrilegious to talk that way when I'm in the, on this side of the business, but <laughs> no, no, I get you. And, and, uh, that reminds, you know, a conversation, uh, that I was having my wife for whatever reason. And so please don't, you can laugh at her, not at me. Um, uh, but she, she would love, um, you know, a very early model, Carmen Ghia, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I keep telling her, there's no way I'm ever putting you in a Carmen Ghia. And if I ever buy one, you know what? The first thing I'm going to do is, you know, it, it, we'll have to spend more money than I've got to make it actually safe to drive in the modern world. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I don't mean well, to be, I mean, she, she gets to make her own choices, but it won't be by my hand that I pull a Carmen Ghia in the driveway. I, um, I agree with you because I don't know if I could drive one of the old classics because you know, I've got my car beeping at me at every little mistake I made, you know, and you know, and, you know, yeah. things, so. no, I, I, uh, and again, I, I, am so sorry for this, but I have a friend who is a purist and, um, in the vehicle that I drive every day and I commute, uh, quite a, I, I come all the way down from Idaho falls. Um, and I have that adaptive cruise control on my car. And I tell my buddy that I love that. It's the greatest thing on a commute to ever have. And he just about throws his cup of coffee at me. He says, you're going to ruin, you know, you are ruining the auto industry. People like you, you don't even know how to drive anymore. And I'm like, ah, sorry, man. I love hitting the buttons and just exactly. looking I'm the same the way. You know, when I, whenever I get behind a Corvette, I'm thinking, why would somebody want this to drive itself? Yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. Very good. We're on the same page. No, I'm with you. So kind of going back to that, though, do you kind of, I, I'm curious, what, what drew you to this business when, you know, 30, um, home 40 plus years ago? Well, you know, it was kind of a, a funny story here. So I've got very accomplished siblings and I'm originally from the Philippines. And so mm -hmm. you, you either become a doctor or a nurse or an engineer. <laughs> and uh, I wasn't, I wasn't intelligent enough to become a doctor. And uh, I, I, started on the engineering field. I actually went to General Motors Institute for a semester and I, I realized I, all the things I hated in school, like calculus and trigonometry and all of that. Right. Um, I, I, I thought, boy, I can't do this the rest of my life. Right. You know, right. So I actually, uh, but I, but I like numbers and I like accounting. So that's the, the field I, I went into. Um, and it was one of the the few guys that kind of like to talk to a lot of people. So I went into uh, business, accounting, communications, 
and I got a job with General Motors working on the finance division. It's uh, the old company's called GMAC. Mm-hmm. And so I started there and, and it took me to 29 different locations before Pocatello and it was a great career. Right. But I, so I was on the periphery. I wasn't necessarily on the engineering and the gearhead side of things. I was on the right. finance side of, right. of, of life and banking, but we always, you know, we always got to have the, the latest edition models and all of that. And so that's how I kind of fell in love with the business. And, and frankly, in my, uh, in my career with GMAC, I was able to visit nearly 10,000 auto dealers and oh, so, wow. and see different ways of doing business right. and, and to see what they did in the communities. And I always knew once I was done with my career initially that I would probably want to do something like this because I liked the car business. Right. But on the retail side of things, um, I liked everything that we taught the, the, our clients to do. And then when I got on this side, I found out we were teaching a lot of stuff that were just basically, you know, dealership 101, because this is, this is a pretty tough, you know, gig to do yeah. to, to give back to the communities and such, but it's been a lot of fun, but yeah, I, I kind of fell into it, but fell in love with it. Fell in love with it. Yeah. Well, and it sounds like too, you, you were fortunate enough just by being able to travel around and see the way things are done locally at each little spot. It's in a way it kind of, like you said, you kind of knew you wanted to maybe come back in here after retired. You, you were kind of preparing yourself to do that, kind of looking at some things and going, well, I like the way they do it. Oh, compared to so-and-so and compared to that place. And so it probably prepped you for when you decided to make this jump. Yeah. You know, and there's, there's this kind of a running joke on the manufacturing side that no, none of the manufacturing representatives could ever make it in retail because, <laughs> you know, it's kind of like we never had to do it before, you know, right. so it's, right. it was kind of a badge of honor when, uh, you know, we got here and built a pretty successful company and businesses and been able to expand. So that's, that's been very, uh, very great. But I, I tell you, just, just this whole community has been so supportive and, uh, and, and, I, you know, full disclosure, I thought this was going to be a temporary thing for me. Again, I've been used to so moving around so much, but my wife and I fell in love with the community, with the ISU community and, and uh, everything related to it. And we thought, well, we found our last move. Right. This is great. Well, I got to say just too, um, you know, you, you have helped us and supported continuing education workforce training with our construction combine this last year. Um, and you alluded to this earlier in a little comment you said, but it seems to be too that I think your love for the community is also reflected in, in your dealerships in that you guys have a real strong emphasis for giving back and supporting the, the communities in general here. We, yeah, we do. We do. And, and again, it's one of those things that, that um, we taught from the manufacturing level, but the actual execution of that, mm-hmm. you know, uh, was a little bit different than I thought. Um, and, and, and in this way, so when you work for a big conglomerate to, to, I guess to, for the definition side of things, when you work for a big company like General Motors, you're used to coming into a community and taking everything you can out of it and then leaving, you know? Yeah. And so when you work on the retail side of things with customers from day to day and you see them at Fred Meyer and at grocery stores and such, you have to give it all back. Right. And to me, and I thought, wow, I've missed my calling my entire life because that's more fun. <laughs> <laughs> more rewarding indeed, right? It, it really is. Because, right. you know, meet people like you and meet, meet you know, all the folks that make a community work. And right. I found, and that's why we, we have a tendency to give a lot back because we find we get it all back. Right. It's so amazing. So amazing. Well, and, and I think just, I think that's, it goes back again to that whole idea, right? Is, is first of all, we live in a community where transportation, we live in a time, 
and in a country where transportation is vital to just everyday life, right? It's not a luxury. It's not a, and we, and living out West uh, where we, we have such a, a, a shortage and supply of, and things are so spread out, you know, everyone needs a vehicle, you know, everyone, no matter who they are, or where they are. And, and so to, to take that approach and to, as a dealership and say, we're here to support the community as a whole, because not only are we making a business, but we're, we're supplying a need. I think that's a, a, a that's got to be kind of a fun way to approach that. I would assume. It really, it really, really is, you know, and again, you know, we, we've, we've done some things with the tech center too, and provided an electric vehicle up there. Yes. Yes. And to, to see, you know, the young minds, you know, get around that thing. And, and I can just see, I can see their, you know, the wheels turning, like, how do I take this apart and figure this thing out? <laughs> right. Right. Again. And, and then you get to see that budding of the heads of the old gearheads as they're like, what yeah. is this thing? And, you know, that's an interesting thing just to, to kind of segue into, right. The electric car part of um, this business. And as that's becoming more and more of a viable option, um, again, you know, there's a, going to be a, a, a possible permanent change in the way the, the auto, especially on the retail side and manufacturing side operates. Oh, absolutely. You know, I really think this, and this is the irony of, of, of our business is that it's, it goes back to the horse trading days, but there always seems to be a pivot point change going on with our industry. And I think we're right in the middle of one. So to put it in perspective here, like General Motors themselves are 35 to 40% of their portfolio in, in 2025. Again, that's four years from now is, is going to be electric, right. you know? And so it, it's like, all right, how do I prepare for this thing? You know, because the drivetrains are still the same thing, but yep. how the propulsion, you know, works is a little bit different. How are you going to do that? Right. And, and, and like I said, I, I've got, uh, you know, I've got the old time technicians that come in, can smell what the problem is. And, it, you know, anything comes in as 10 years and older, all my young techs go running the other way because they, they know they can't plug it in. You know? <laughs> <laughs> what's, what's wrong with it? What's the matter with this, right? So I'm, been a, I'm a, really a, a, a dynamic pivot point that's pretty exciting because we know the technology is going to get better. So we've got cars that go you know, on one charge, 235, 240 miles. I think that, I think probably the the real change is going to happen when those batteries on one charge can get us from here to Boise and from yep. here to Salt Lake on one charge, on that, one charge, that type of thing. I think it's it's coming. It has to be, you know, per, per, you know particularly because where the politics are headed. And I think it's a good thing. But but I also think there's a lot of things from a national perspective, you know, the infrastructure, like to get these things charged, we got to get we got to get our grid system going and up. And so there's a lot of confusion on my part. But the way way I'm looking at it is that we're going that way. We're going to you know, it's going from horse and buggy to combustible engines, you know, and now we're at this point. So right. we have to prepare. We have to prepare. And so and it's, you know, and frankly, it's the crowd that you hang out with at Idaho State University. They're usually the first responders to these kind of things. Right. And, you know, right on. And they're, they're, and that's so we're we feel like we've got a great audience to at least feel comfortable that if we go down that route and we change all of our tooling and all of that, that it will be a need for that. You know, right. so it'll, it, and, yeah. and that's exciting. I mean, I think it is exciting, regardless if you're 
an old to, you know, old school gearhead that is sad to see the combustion motor go and, um, or you're, you know, in the new way and, and can't wait to see these all electric vehicles run. Um, but still the idea is, is that, um, from infrastructure to developing the technology to, you know, service all the way down. I mean, that's going to require training across the board, developing new skills, developing jobs, titles. We probably don't even know. Right. right? Exactly. It, it, in 10 years from now, you're going to have someone working for you that you've never thought that was a job title, oh, wow. uh, yeah. you know, electrical, you know, battery super technician of a, you know, whatever, you know what I'm saying? So it'll be interesting and what a kind of exciting time. So I guess the to kind of sum up the conversation, number one, I'm, I'm glad to hear that um, you guys are doing well through what has been a very interesting uh, year in, in at least your industry, if, if not the entire world. But it's good to see and good to hear that you guys are getting through. I, frankly, I was always concerned is, you know, you guys, uh, the demand is out there for cars to buy, but the cars aren't there to buy. So somebody, you know, isn't making money. You know, you know I, I was worried about the, the guy on the, the floor, on your sales floor, trying to get his 20 cars a month goal. So hopefully that's, that's still working. Well, we just kind of, you know, whenever people call up concerned about that, you know, how many cars do you have? And our response is, well, how many do you need? <laughs> yeah, there you go. There so, you go. Very yeah, good. So that's how we kind of do that. So, well, man, Art, I, I really enjoyed the conversation. Thank you very much for taking your time. I know you're very busy. And, and by the way, Art, if anyone out there listening wants to get a hold or have a conversation with you or wants to talk to anyone at one of your, uh, at either at Cole Chevrolet or at Cole Nissan Kia, how can they get a hold of you? Well, my phone number here at Nissan Kia is where I spend a bulk of my time is uh, Erico 208, of course. It's 232-1062. Or they can email me at abery, it's A-B-E-E-R-Y, at colenissankia.com. Very good. Thank you. Come and, come and visit, visit us. We've got 350 vehicles for people to sit in. So. <laughs> there you go. And yeah. I might just take you up on that because, you know, I always like to look at cars. So, <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hey, uh, for those of you that won't need to get a hold of us, we'd like to get a hold of us here at Continuing Education Workforce Training. Uh, you can get a hold of us. Email us directly at ce-train at isu.edu. That is ce train at isu.edu or you can call us at 282 uh, or 208-282-3372 and uh, again art thank you for being on the show and have a very good day all right thank you thank you